welcome into a very special episode here of Musings on Madison on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And it's very special because there's a Blackhawks game happening right now, and we decided to go with a live recording of it. Well, you know, kind of live, but if you hear any random outbursts of joy or pain during the next 30 to 40 minutes or so, it's because something probably happened during the Blackhawks game. Uh, I'm your host, Dave Melton, here again, uh, assistant editor from Second City Hockey. And with me, just one of the usual two voices you hear tonight, Brandon Kane's on assignment at the United Center, told me he's enjoying, I think it was like chicken and meatballs and some, quote, weird salad shit tonight. So he's busy with all that. So with me is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. Hello, people. Um, we are missing Brandon, but uh, we, we're, all, we're all enjoying chicken and meatballs at some point, if, if, if we can... <laughs> Sort of just say that. I was waiting to see where you were going with that. I wasn't, I wasn't sure at all. We're coming to you as the Blackhawks and Avalanche just started the third period. Colorado's up 3-1, to one, and as has been the case much of the night, they have a sustained possession in the offensive zone. Nathan McKinnon and Sam Gerrard are just circling, doing whatever they want. And the main thing we want to talk about as this game is unfolding is the Colorado Avalanche are getting scary good. Like, every time we watch them play, it gets kind of exacerbated because of the way the Hawks look. Just the the lack of speed that the Hawks have looks especially bad against Colorado. And then just the general talent that Colorado has seems to really always come to play against the Hawks. Even when the Hawks were at the height of their powers earlier this decade, it seemed like Colorado always gave them fits just because they always had such a fast team. So I guess what what we kind of want to get into here, Shepard, as we're watching the rest of this game is – what is, I guess, can you describe kind of the talent gap between these two teams? I don't believe it is a talent gap. I think if you look at the Blackhawks forwards and two of their defensemen, they have good talent. Um, it's a speed gap. It's a pretty evident speed gap between the Blackhawks and the Avalanche. The Avalanche play uh, a game that is much more suited to the 2019 NHL, uh, especially Nathan McKinnon, who is just terrible he wants to be. Terrifying. Terrifying. He's one of the fastest skaters in the NHL, just downhill. Um, and then especially in the wings they added in the offseason as well, in Donskoy and Burakovsky. Um, even Nazem Kadri has more speed than probably people realize. This is a team well-built, especially with, especially also with their defensemen. Sam Gerrard, fast. Kale McCarr, fast. They have speed, and that's the thing the Blackhawks don't have. They have guys who can score. They don't have guys besides maybe Dominic Kubelik and maybe maybe Brandon Saad. So, yeah, I think the Blackhawks have, like the two guys you mentioned, like Saad and Kubelik have the speed, but Kubelik's not bad at it, but they don't have the combination of speed and finishing ability that, that yeah. the Colorado's. I think that's the issue. And, and, like, to be fair, nobody else in the NHL has a Nathan McKinnon. Well, all right, Edmonton. Connor Edmonton McDavid. has Connor McDavid. And then – I. What other Ford has the combination of speed and finish that those two guys have? Anybody? You gonna put anyone else in that class? I, so I, I think New Jersey probably hopes that Jack Hughes would have that. Okay. That combination. Okay. Um, yeah. I think there's maybe hope uh, when as, as as he sort of continues to adjust to the NHL that maybe he'll get there. Other than that, uh, nobody. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it's it's easy to sit here and you know say. I, uh, I wish the Blackhawks had someone like Nathan McKinnon. Well, so do 30 other NHL teams. Like, every, yeah. everybody wishes they had a guy like him on their team. So that's that – and, and you can't really just go get a guy like that. Like, they, they're, they're just not available. You know, you can't right. just they're, – they're, they're number one overall picks for a reason. 
Exactly. Exactly. So like the, the main thing we're trying to figure out is, as we're going to discuss tonight is try and figure out how the Hawks bridge this gap that currently exists between themselves and Colorado, because it really seems like out of all the teams in the central Colorado is built. Colorado is the one with the brightest future. The, yeah, the best, the best team down the road. They're built for the present and they're built for the future. Like I was looking at their salary cap situation Mikkel Rantanen's making the most money. He's locked up through 2025 at 9.9 and a quarter million, but Nathan McKinnon's making a criminally low 6.3 for this season and three more. And then you go down to the blue line, Kale McCarr's on his entry-level deal, then he's still got two more years of that, right? Oh, he's yep. on the injured reserve section. Yeah. So Kale McCarr signed through this season and the next on his entry-level deal. And you've got uh, Sam Gerrard is going to – on his entry-level deal this year, his salary only goes up to $5 million for the foreseeable future. Um, Ryan Graves is – well, all right, let's not get Ryan Graves in there just yet. He's having a good season, but I don't want to lump him in with the future. So right. the only real weakness – We don't know what his future is. Exactly. So the only real weakness with this team, and this is something we were talking about before coming on the air, is goaltending is the only thing that's kind of a question because Grubauer had such a great run last year, but – you know, is that sustainable? Yeah. yeah. You don't know if he's Cam Ward or if he's Carey Price. I mean, not to say he's going to go up that high, but you don't know if that one season of great play is going to be sustainable over the rest of his career. So I, I guess kind of going back to what we were initially poking at is what's the best way to close this gap that currently exists? Because this seems like it's the team the Blackhawks are going to have to figure out how to beat if they're ever going to get back into contention in the Western Conference. So I think the hope is that the, the Blackhawks defense, uh, especially Adam Boquist and Ian Mitchell, which are like the two guys the Blackhawks are putting the most the most faith in, I think, right. at this point, uh, that they're able to sort of contend with Colorado and sort of slow down that speed. And then uh, looking at the, the direction the Blackhawks are trending, draft Quinton Byfield, because if anybody has that, that same combination of, of speed and finishing ability that Connor McDavid and Nathan McKinnon have been themselves known for is Quentin Byfield, who's also got size on top of that. Um, yeah, I, I look, he's listed at 6'4", 214, and he's 17 years old. My God. Yep. He's a monster who can skate like the wind and score. Uh, All literally right, everything Blackhawks like, <laughs> To close that gap, he's basically everything the Blackhawks need. So tank for Byfield. That's how you close the gap. Okay. Well, yeah, and I think – you know, it's not like you have to get an entire team full of speedsters. You know, you don't have to have 18 skaters who can fly like the wind to to compete with Colorado. I think you just need it more – you need to be able to, like, you know, have one or two guys on a couple of lines that can do it. Like we were talking earlier, like there's Brandon Saad, there's Dominic Kubelik, and they don't really have many other burners in the lineup. Like, uh, and no. It's it's just so noticeable whenever they try and forecheck or whenever whenever there's a 50-50 puck, it seems like Colorado just gets there. And then it's also like that speed in the offensive zone, the way that Colorado's constantly interchanging and circling the zone. Forge are coming back up to the blue line. D-line, uh, their D are going back behind the net. Like, it's just constant motion, and it's constant fast motion because of how well everybody skates on that team. And it's, it's just such a noticeable difference right now. Like, I think the Hawks have some guys – who can play a style like that, like Boquist and hopefully Ian Mitchell when he gets here end of this season or next season can contribute with that as well. But I, out of the Ford group, it's like, you know, Debrinkit's not really that type of guy. Dylan Strom skates well for someone his size, but that's not really his game. So 
it's almost like, you know, you mentioned drafting Quentin Byfield, but I don't know how quickly they can remedy the situation just because they don't have a ton of guys who can do this. Right, and even their prospects like Phil Kurashev, he skates well, but I don't know if you don't know if you'd call him fast. Right. Uh, Mackenzie, yeah. Mackenzie Entwistle skates well, but you don't know if you'd call him fast. These guys who are supposed to contribute down the road, um, they're not, like you said, burners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, and that's where – I know it's it's interesting because that's how you know that's how the game has progressed in the last four to five years. It's gotten so much faster. It's all about team speed, and you just you you wonder if that if the Blackhawks will finally put a speedy team together in three or four years, and then the legal shift again and be something completely different. Right. It feels like the Blackhawks have sort of tried to steer away, steer out of the skid of the of the speed game, especially with their offseason acquisitions and Oli Mata and Alex Nylander, neither of whom is a particularly good skater. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's shown itself over the past few games. Yeah, and like I, we'll have to in in future episodes of Musings on Madison, we'll have to get Brandon back on here to talk about Rockford, see if there's anybody lighting it up speed wise down at that level. Just because you know th- they're going to need some guys to get here soon if this is going to work. Right. right. You know. Yeah, definitely. And they're going to need to play play the guys who could could who could have that speed, like Dylan Sakura. Has he 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 was tired the, the few games he's played in Chicago so far this season, but he's got some skating ability. Yeah, it's just I feel like they need, you know, and and the, the other thing is they need somebody on the blue line who can play a defensive style that's really fast. Like basically, they need two thousand eight Duncan Keith to come back to the team because because uh, Keith was so fast. Like there was no, there were there really wasn't anybody in the NHL in Keith's prime who could skate by him. Right. And so, and, and right now, I mean, McKinnon blew the doors off the Keith and Murphy combo for a goal tonight that again, only a handful of guys in the NHL are going to score. But if we're ever going to, if the Blackhawks are ever going to get back to where we would like them to get to, it's probably going to be going through Nathan McKinnon. And, and as I'm watching this, McKinnon just took the puck from his own blue line, skated it into a three on two. And they almost scored. Okay. <laughs> I was just waiting for the formality of uh, Colorado scoring because we're about halfway through the third period now, and I don't think I've seen the Hawks have anything that would even resemble a scoring chance at the moment just because Colorado's just got – that, that much better, yeah. And, and you know what? I, the, the other thing I want to touch on is I don't think – is I, I think I said talent gap earlier on. I don't think and, – and then you we digressed into talking about speed – it's not that I don't think there's a massive talent gap between these two teams. I really don't. I think there's just things are just working for Colorado right now. And like this is the way it used to be with the Blackhawks when like the best example I can give you of what I'm trying to say here is uh Kale McCarr's out right now, Eric Johnson's out right now, Miko Rantanen's missed half the season, Gabe Landiscog's missed half the season. They've had all these guys get hurt and they're still winning. Right. Because they, that's they, what they, happens when you're yeah, go ahead. They they had the next guy up mentality and Adam and and again Burakovsky and Donskoy were the guys they acquired in the offseason stepped up they they did the the guys in front of them's job really yeah. really well Jonas Donskoy I remember him three or four years ago being a fourth liner for San Jose and just being a great fourth liner top guy that's going to score twenty or thirty points which is exactly what you need from a fourth liner I just looked at their stats today as I was writing the preview he's got like twenty seven points in thirty three games. By right. far the best numbers of his career, but that's what happens when you have, a, when when the things are going well in your organization, and that's not what's happening with the uh, the Blackhawks right now. Which is why when they get guys hurt like Calvin DeHaan, 
the guys they bring up don't work. Right. They get the, our, the Blackhawks' next guy up is not nearly as capable as the Colorado's next guy up. Yeah, it's which is really um, – and, and like again, this goes back to what we were talking about in another episode. Like Everything has to be lined up so perfectly for the Blackhawks to get a winning performance out of a game. And tonight facing maybe the best team in the West – uh, each team had a day off the day before the Hawks are down three to one and just not showing any sort of ability to get back into the game. And that's, that's also a function of coaching too, because Jared Bednar is an excellent coach. Yeah. And that, and that's where, I mean, we, we've already done the episode of uh, whether or not Jeremy Carlton's going to have a job by the end of this year. And I, I think that's another, it's another indictment on Carlton. There's just that, I don't think that talent gap between Chicago and Colorado is this massive, but it shouldn't be this easy for Colorado to walk into the United Center and just hand the Hawks a three to one deficit in the third period and not really break a sweat doing it. We also uh, we put out to the masses to have some. Qu- oh, Dylan Strom just hit the post. Hey, a ping. Yeah, there, there's something. A, it's Kane, uh, the Kane Strom and Nylander line that. It was interesting to see Nylander get put up on the line with Kane and Strom because like, I feel like Alex Nylander is becoming the new David Runblad and that the Blackhawks are going to keep playing him and keep waiting for him to be what they hope he can be. Everything else. Like, he's not. He's like, not. Well, I mean, he's only, what, 21, 22? Like, he's still young. Right, but he I, should I, He should get another uh, – People keep saying it'll 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 discourage him to be promoted to be bumped down to Rockford, but at some point you got to let him develop more because he doesn't he's not ready for this team. No, no, I I, I think just it, it might be you know you send him down to Rockford for a couple of weeks and then you give him the opportunity to maybe that's maybe it's just a maybe it's just like a wake up call saying hey you need to be doing these things and if you're not going to do these things you're not going to be with the organization at this level. Go ahead. Especially when there are players like Dylan Sakura who have looked, who've earned a look in Rockford um, and aren't getting it because yeah. of Neil Lambert. And I mean, at this point, what do you have to lose? Because there's just not, they're not doing enough. When, when you're not winning, as the Blackhawks are not doing right now, there's like, jobs can't be safe. Like people's, you know, there, at, at some point, there's going to be accountability. I feel like there's going to be accountability for the head coach soon, but the players also have to be, there's got to be some accountability there. When you're not winning, people are going to lose their jobs. So, so let's dive into some of the questions we got on Twitter. Some of the, we reached out to the masses to see if anybody had some thoughts and Mitchell Watts asked us a few questions and he goes, uh, who was the best off season acquisition, excluding Leonard, whether it be free agency trade or draft and who's made the most impact and who will in the future. So that's, Several questions in one, and actually I tweeted this out earlier from the Second City Hockey account, and I don't know if it's my final answer, but Ryan Carpenter has been a sneaky good acquisition this year, right? And you, I remember yeah. he came over from Vegas, and you said he wasn't as this good in Vegas. No, he was not this good in Vegas. He was sort of on the ice, but he was never sort of a presence like he is in Chicago where he's like one of their best four checkers. He's one of the best – uh, on the team in terms of like goals above of, above relative um, goals above league average he's he's been excellent for this team yeah and I think I, I think he the the concern I had about him is I I think there was concern about his skating ability and I also he was a 
low-performing penalty killer on a mediocre penalty kill. I think Vegas was like right at like 15 or 16 on the PK last season, and all the shot metrics and everything had Carpenter as the player who's getting the most chances against. So I was concerned how that was going to translate to Chicago. He's been pretty good on the penalty kill here. I honestly think it might have been the teammates he was playing with. Cody Eakin um, doesn't seem to be the best penalty killer, uh, and that's sort of the guy who Carpenter was slotted with, and he sort of had an upgrade in, in teammates on the penalty kill. And that might be a factor of coaching because uh, I believe – say what you will about Mark Crawford, but Mark Crawford's been the guy in charge of the penalty kill for the Blackhawks this season, and it's been a pretty well-coached unit. Yes, it has. I think that's the one, one small surprise that's been a pleasant surprise with this team is that the penalty kill has been better than last year. Couldn't have been much worse, but I think it's around. I think they're in the so high. Average. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The league average is fine compared to last year. It's like in the they're in the high teens right now, eighteen, nineteen, or something like that. Which, you know, ideally you'd want to be up near like you know in the top ten. But I think for right now, I think considering last season's dreadful number, I think we can live with eighteen or nineteen right now. Yeah, and, and considering. Uh, Considering the start to the season with the Blackhawks penalty kill unit had, it's an excellent number. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I forgot how bad it was early on. And then Mitchell Watts' other question is, uh, and this kind of goes into something we've talked about earlier, is do the Hawks trade Crawford or Leonard at any point this season? And I think the answer to that one is to be determined because uh, I don't think we're going to know that answer until we know what this team is, uh, where, where they're sitting at in February. Right. Around the deadline time, in yeah. my opinion, in my opinion, yes, and I, I already have the teams I believe they'll be traded to in mind too. Okay, go, go on, pitter patter. I, I think Corey Crawford's best fit is Edmonton. They're a goaltender away from being an actual contender, in my opinion. Uh, their defense has stepped up. They have a good coach this season, and then they have the best player probably on the planet, and Connor McDavid. They don't have a good goaltender though. Right. Nico Koskinen is not excellent. Um, Cam Talbot, I don't think has worked out. So trading for a goaltender at the deadline makes sense for them. And I think Corey Crawford deserves a chance to show what he can do, uh, put it behind a fast team. Yeah. And then Robin Leonard, San Jose. Oh yeah. I could definitely, yeah. Martin Jones is definitely not, um, he's not never inspired confidence that he was going to be the guy. No. And I think no. after uh, last season, yeah, after last postseason, the way that season kind of fell apart for them, I think he is. Uh, I, I think they're going to need a. They're going to need someone other than Martin Jones to be the guy, just because they're going to get to you know April and May, and you're going to have the same questions you had a year ago, and that's not the way you want to enter the postseason. Also, I, I don't know exactly what happened in the game, but I'm Nazem Kadri's throwing the fit on the Colorado bench, and I wish I'd seen what happened because. I would have think I might have enjoyed whatever made Nazem Kadri throw a fit on the bench. Yeah, maybe that's <laughs> positive for the Blackhawks finally. Yeah. And the other question we've got so far, Brandon Kane, one that wants to know what's the best film from the Santa Claus series. Okay, so it depends on what you mean by best. Like, what what is my favorite, or what is the superior one? So I'll, I'll take a little bit of a break to think about that. All right. You go Hang first. You take, well, you take this first. Well, it's the first one. And and I, now we have to actually talk about the Blackhawks because Sam Gerrard just threw Alex Debrinkit into the boards very rudely <laughs> and not a very nice way to treat a guy on his 22nd birthday. And no. Debrinkit was very slow to get up. He's still down. And now actually the trainers are out to attend 
to Alex to bring it. So, hey, you want to you wanna go, go uh, closer and closer to your worst-case scenario? Alex to bring it might be hurt now. Oh, by the guy, by the guy, by the way, the Blackhawks easily could have drafted uh, with in this in the same round as Alex DeBrink had. They took Chad Kreis, a pick before Sam Gerard. Uh, it's just, it's it's a late hit. It's in a bad position. It's just, I don't. Know, I, I, it's it's not necessarily a dirty hit because he didn't like. There's there's no hit to the head, but it's. It's several seconds. It's a noticeable time after Debrinket had moved the puck, and they're now they're showing the clip of when Gerard and Debrinket fought two or three weeks ago. So I don't know if there's a carryover from that because uh, Debrinket is staying on the bench for the time being, though. So yeah, that's that's not that's not a good hit. No, it's 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 in a very bad location and it's kind of late. So yeah, yeah. So we can we can we can add Sam Gerard to the list. Of people we I, don't I, I take back I take back any of the nice things I said about him. About him? Yeah, about Gerard. Yeah, forget yeah. him. Yeah, I'm done with him. Again, the Blackhawks could have t- taken him in the second in the same round as Alex Brinkat and just avoided this all ent- ent- entirely. Had an ex- <laughs> had a had a good defenseman, had a good defenseman as well. So uh had him, had him out out there hurting Colorado, maybe instead. Yeah. So looking around at the rest of the Central Division, obviously Colorado really stands out as a team that's going to be a problem. Uh, any other teams that really register on your radar as someone to watch for the next uh, next two or three years? Dallas's defense is young. Uh, John Klingberg, Issa Lindell, and Miro, Miro Heiskanen. Miro Heiskanen uh, is a lot of fun. I really enjoy Miro Heiskanen. He's, he's, uh, he's up there for me. Um, yeah. There's, there's guys I think will always stay ahead of him, but – like he's he's really good at his job, and he's a really superior defensive defenseman. And and, and that's it. Just Dallas, <laughs> no one else. Uh, I mean, name anybody else. Nashville's aging, um, and they've got bad contracts. Uh, Winnipeg is all goaltending. I don't know if Connor Hellebuck's business season will ever will be sustainable. Um, Arizona backslash Houston will be losing players. Uh, Taylor Hall is probably not going to resign in Arizona. Um, Minnesota is Minnesota. Uh, they're always going to be average, in my opinion. Yeah. They don't have they don't have the star power, and they're not tanking. They're not going to get. I don't think they're going to get in the lottery this season. Um, that leaves that leaves the Avalanche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that pretty much wraps it up. Like I thought, about a year or two ago, I was really terrified that Winnipeg was going to be just just this unstoppable monster, just because they had they finally got some four depth to go with the the blue line monstrosity that they were assembling. And then, like in one off season, that entire blue line fell apart, and now Patrick Line might leave, and and everything else is just. Um, everything just kind of seems out of sorts for them. Like they're still. They seem like they're going to be perpetually above average, but never graduating into like the elite category, which is probably the worst place to be as a fan is when your team's consistently just good enough to lose in the second round of the playoffs. The first or second round. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, again, again, that defense, it went from really good into uh, trading Jacob Truba for not much of a return. Um, get losing Dustin Bufflin probably at this point to retirement. 
Um, I don't think he'd stay out this long if he was actually going to come back. Um, yeah, the blue line is just Josh Morrissey at this point. <laughs> you know, which, which Josh Morrissey isn't, you know, a terrible player, but. Josh he, Morrissey he, would be the number one defenseman on the Blackhawks. <laughs> That's a low bar to clear. <laughs> so the good news is that the Blackhawks killed a penalty, and I, I haven't been able to see, but it looks like Debrinket is still on the bench. So hey, he's not worse for wear. So that's that's good. But good uh, Sam Gerard can still get bent. Like I'm, I'm, I've had enough of him. Like that, that, that's all it takes. Just one, one incident. And like all right, for, I'm done with this guy. Like uh, I can still, I can still watch Kale McCarr and not instantly hate him. But uh, Sam and Sam Gerard was care over from Nashville, right? Yes, he was yeah. traded yeah, from Nashville. Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So yeah, he still got some of the Nationals tank on him. I'd really, uh, I'd really enjoy if the Blackhawks would tie this game up now. I, now, like this is the first time, this is the first incident I can think of where I've really, or just been able to generate some disdain for anybody from Colorado. Like for the most part, you know, Nazem Kadri's been pretty annoying wherever he's gone, but he hasn't really done anything since he's been in Colorado that I can think of. You didn't. You didn't. You 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 didn't. You didn't hate Semyon Varlamov, ender of all things Blackhawks streaks related. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's and just, also, and also domestic abuse. He's just a terrible person in general. Yeah. I guess it's it's different with him. It's it's like it's it's on ice disdain. I think is a different type of beast. Like like Rafi Torres is always the high bar for that. There really wasn't anybody on Colorado that had done anything during a Blackhawks Avalanche game that made me hate them. And now Sam Gerrard's working on it. So now. This is fun. this, but this is how rivalries kind of get built up a little bit. Like this is how you know a decade ago the Vancouver stuff started when just little incidents here and there. Glad no one's injured. Sam Gerrard can get his face pounded in by Debrink at the next game. I'd be pretty happy. This is when I go full meatball. Is when uh, little incidents like this get started. So we'll uh, we'll see where it goes. Obviously, the Blackhawks need to get a lot better if this is going to be a legitimate rivalry because otherwise Colorado's just going to you know take. The Hawks will get shorthanded trying to start fights. Colorado will score 19 goals, and we're all going to be pissed off anyway. So maybe the Blackhawks will get better on the ice, and this will become a fun rivalry in the 2020s to watch. But um, like like we were talking about at the top here, there's a there's a substantial gap between where the Blackhawks are now and where Colorado is now, and uh, they got they got to close that. So so yeah, so we'll see what happens. I don't. Did you have any other burning Santa Claus thoughts before we uh, decide to put a bow on this? Uh, a I, I, uh, I I will speak up for the second one. The second one is good. I liked the Mrs. Claus. Uh, other than that, no. I don't even. I can't even remember the last time I saw the second one. I I watched the first one a week ago and just forgot ninety percent of the things that happened in it. But if you had to go to and don't do not say Die Hard because I'm sick of that meme. Essentially, what's your go-to Christmas movie if you had to pick one? Uh, okay, so I have two I watch every year. One will be of uh, of course uh, movie. The other one is sort of uh, a hotter take. Okay, uh, Elf, of course, oh, of course. Uh, the second one is The Night Before, which is the Seth Rogen, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Anthony Mackie uh, Christmas movie. Okay, I love it. It's a it's a great modern comedy. All right, um, yeah, like I I was actually thinking about this recently. Like I I'm not I'm not a big movie guy in general, so it's kind of hard for me to pick one. Um, but I I think just time honor classics. It's it's hard to beat Home Alone. 
Yep. It's really, you That's know, it's just, it's just good. And I think in just one movie, I, I feel like this is just a K-over from my childhood. I always like the Garfield Christmas movie. It's like a half an hour long, but oh, it's just, it's, I, I remember watching it all the time as a kid. So I, every now and then I'll watch it during the holiday season. Just, just because. No peanuts Christmas special. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Charlie Brown's good too, but yeah, I, I'd take Garfield over Charlie Brown. There, there's my hot take Garfield Christmas over peanuts Christmas. There you go. There's my hot take for the episode. And this is actually a perfect time to end this podcast because Miko Rantanen just scored into an empty net. It's 4-1 Colorado. I think this game's over. I guess the, only, the only thing to watch is to see if maybe Gerard and Brink could decide to throw haymakers at each other in the final 220 here. But uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll let them deal with that, and we will put a bow on this episode, this abridged episode, Amusings on Madison. He's at Shepherd Press on Twitter. I'm at underscore Dave Melton. You can follow us also at underscore Second City Hockey. That's 2ND City Hockey. Also, feel free to stop by secondcityhockey.com where we got stuff coming up all through the holiday season with the Blackhawks playing Thursday night in Winnipeg and then they're in Colorado on Saturday and then the Monday and Friday during the week of Christmas. So, plenty of stuff to read there and plenty of stuff to follow on Twitter. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we'll probably talk to you again before the holidays. But if we don't, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, all of that, and we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Da, 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 da.